Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Innovation usually is always criticized by the incumbents. I mean, that's, you know, franchising as a concept was um, was fought uh back in the day when, you know, the first franchises showed up because it was considered to be unethical for, you know, companies to bring in a proven business model and sell it to somebody to compete with, you know, the local mom and pa business. So, you know, innovation uh, tends to get criticized. And and if you look at what we'll call it direct sales or multi-level marketing system in, in as a as a business concept, it's brought lots of products and services to market. Uh, you still have lots of companies that are doing extremely well using that type of model. But what it does is it allows somebody who would like to be a business person to get the benefits of a business without, again, what I call the brain damage of actually building the business. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, managing editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Today, I interviewed Clem Sanford, um, CEO of EXP Realty, and he had some fascinating things to say. EXP has grown over a five-year period 3,689% based on volume percentage growth, and we believe that that is the fastest growing brokerage grown organically in terms of size and volume ever in the rankings. And so we had a lot to talk to Glenn about. He shared some really exciting things about where they see themselves next. He answered the multi-level marketing question that everyone seems to have. And he offered some really exciting insight into the real estate market and what's next on the horizon for brokerages. So sit back and enjoy the listen. This is Tracy Velt, Managing Editor for Realtrends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Glenn Sanford, CEO of EXP World Holdings. After starting his real estate career in 2002, Glenn quickly built a team and within four years closed over $60 million in real estate, mostly through online lead generation. In 2008, he founded EXP as a cloud-based brokerage that uses 3D avatar-based online office to collaborate and communicate while abandoning the physical bricks and mortar offices normally associated with real estate brokerage. Between 2016 and 2020, EXP has seen growth of 3,689% based on volume percentage growth in the Realtrends 500. Over a five-year period, we think EXP is the fastest growing brokerage grown organically in terms of total sides and volume ever in the rankings. So welcome, Glenn. Hey, thanks, Tracy, for having me. Thanks for joining Real Trending. So I wanted to talk about your incredible growth. Um, talk to me a little bit about the strategies that you think really led to this growth. Yeah, so uh, we actually founded EXP Realty actually in the fall of 2009, actually October okay. 2009. And um, and we did it at the at really at the bottom of the housing market. And what we really focused on at that point was, one, we couldn't afford offices. And then two, um, 
if if we didn't have physical offices, what would be the set of ingredients that agents would need in order to be willing to untether from their uh, their current real estate brokerage? And of course, we looked at you know the fastest growing real estate brokerage at that point in time was uh, was Keller Williams, and that brand, of course, taken off uh, through the '90s and then and through the that period. So we we looked at you know what they were doing with profit share. We kind of created a something akin to revenue share, and then the next piece was really, um, you know, how do agents become owners? That was something that eluded me as an agent at Prudential, which and then and then Keller Williams, and uh, I had asked for ownership, uh, being a top producer, and it wasn't offered to me. So I figured, you know, why don't we offer some sort of ownership component? So those have really been the two big strategies. I mean, obviously, you know, being successful as a real estate professional allowed me as an, as an individual to communicate effectively with top agents and brokers uh, to really talk about the the value prop. But since then, it's really, you know, taken on a life of its own. And uh, really, it's been sort of that combo of, you know, revenue share and, and equity and, and a competitive s- split and cap system. So what do you think is the most unique part of your offering that contributed to growth? Do you feel like it's that revenue share? Uh, certainly that's been the big underlying driver to, to the growth. I mean, we've, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what, exactly what the number is today, but I, I think we've got, you know, a dozen or so folks that, you know, literally have from helping EXP grow, they've grown a passive income stream of close to, if not over like a million dollars a year. And so, you know, in terms of just the the opportunity to to build a uh, effectively something akin to an ownership interest in a brokerage without the brain damage of actually starting a brokerage, um, you know, that's that's really what the EXP model has has created. Okay, and so obviously um, there are always impediments to growth. Um, so, what do you feel are your the main impediments to your growth as a company? Yeah. Um, well, one is just the speed of growth. Um, you know, we almost, um, well, we were definitely skiing over our ski tips, especially 2016, 17, 18. And probably wasn't until like later, mid um, 2019, that we finally got our infrastructure in place such that we could actually handle the growth. And so that was that was probably one of our limiters. Um, also, you know, our, another limiter to our growth is, is, is what we refer to as our, you know, we use net promoter score heavily across the, the board and, and we'll, we'll see things when, when our net promoter scores start to drop, um, you know, close to a 60, we definitely feel that we're missing the mark on our agent value proposition. So we go back and retool, uh, and our goal is to always have that if possible above 70, cause that tends to be a nice sweet spot where we're really hitting on all cylinders. But, you know, if we start to miss the mark on what agents are looking for in a brokerage, obviously that's going to be an impediment to growth. Yeah, that's, that's a smart um, kind of thing to look at. And uh, what are you, is like looking forward, where are you seeing the growth opportunities for your company? Well, right now, international is probably our new big focus. Um, you know, we we were fortunate to be able to attract Michael Valdez over um, last year. He's been with us about eleven months now, and and he had had run a large 
international division for for Realgy, and so he he's been helping us really grow out the international footprint of EXP. I mean, obviously domestically in the U.S., you know we you know we've got a, a pretty good percentage of the agent base, something like three to four percent uh, of the agents, which means that one of every 25, 30 agents is actually an EXP agent, which is kind of an incredible number to think about. Um, uh, and and so internationally, I think that's going to be uh, our big uh, our gr- big growth opportunity. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the international market, while it took maybe a little bit of a hit during the pandemic, I know in Florida, it really didn't slow down much at all. So, I mean, people are always wanting to get their money somewhere safe, safer than the country that they're in or invest in in um, a business or, or something else here in the United States. So, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, I wanted to talk to you about kind of your, your business model and where you feel like your ceiling might be. Uh, do you think it's transferable to other businesses such as mortgage title and core services? Yeah. So the, the actual um, model that we've approached relative to agent compensation probably doesn't translate that well to these other service models. But I do think that operating uh, as an entirely virtual company, I think does transfer um, significantly. So when when we look at, you know, I was just visiting with a, uh, a pretty significant lender uh, earlier this week. And, and so I was in his offices and he said, because of COVID, all the back office processing is being done by people at home, not something that he ever expected. And so he would, he would expected to add some additional floors in the building that he, he had. And now he's considering maybe becoming a more virtual organization as a, as a, as a lender. And I think that, you know, with, you know, I've done personally, two closings, um, two or three closings where I never went to a title and escrow office to actually do the signings. So that's for me personally, you know, buying and selling property. So, you know, the, the, the fact is, is that I think that you're going to be able to virtualize most of these businesses, which does change the economic backdrop of what it costs to actually run these businesses. So I do think that it does, that definitely translates. And where do you see that fitting into your company? Uh, is that a five-year plan, a two-year plan, a, you know, something that you're looking at to implement right away? Yeah. So, you know, as a lot of real estate brokers that have went and tried to do mortgage and title and build those relationships, those aren't the easiest relationships to build and actually get um, consumption from an agent perspective. They've got, you know, they've already got in-market uh, relationships with lenders and and title and escrow companies uh, but we do actually have um, a mortgage um, a JV that we've been working on for a few couple of years we've got a, a title and escrow JV that we've uh, that's getting some traction in quite a number of states now called Silverline title and escrow so it, it, one we've got them in place I think it's iterative uh, until we actually get it right we we don't have it near what it needs to be to be truly effective. But I think that, you know, now that we're building out a national real estate portal under exprealty.com, we can start to, um, I'll say, um, pre-condition or uh, pre-market some of these services through through the portal. Um, And we're thinking about that, you know, later on this year going into 2022, we think that, you know, we'll be able to start to have, you know, consumers 
come in pre-approved with a you know partnership um, mortgage company or uh, understanding the title and escrow process such that they've already conditioned to maybe use a in-house title and escrow offering. So it's very iterative. We, we definitely haven't figured that out yet, but it's something we think is pretty important for the future. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about the portal. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're as one, one brokerage operating in all 50 U.S. states, it gives us certain advantages that um, um, most brokerages don't have because they're, they're a franchise. Uh, they don't have, you know, access to, to MLS data in multiple markets at the brokerage level. So for us, we think that we have the opportunity to build uh, a platform that would have, you know, the types of rich data that you would find on a, a Realtor.com, a Redfin, uh, and a Zillow, and, and because of that nationwide footprint. And so as we think about, you know, what does that look like? You know, we think about some consumer tools. We bought a company a few years ago called Show Me Now, which which is really an Uber-style showing service. And so we're thinking about how that can be incorporated into a uh, a portal. We've got some other other technologies that were developed actually by the folks at Showcase IDX. We bought them last year. Um, they had developed some technology in previous iterations that we think are actually worth bringing back to what we're doing. So that it wasn't really akin to an individual agent's website, which is where they were specializing before. But for a national real estate brokerage portal, um, there's some cool things that should make the, the site somewhat sticky to consumers. Okay. And so knowing that, who do you really look at as your, your big um, competition? Yeah. Well, I think for us, uh, our big competition would really be to continue make sure that we understand what Zillow is doing, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, you, you know, I'm looking at my, uh, my newsfeed and, um, and I see ads where they've got, you know, Zillow real estate signs in front of homes. And as much as Zillow says, they're not going to become a brokerage. They certainly are creating a lot of marketing that lo- makes them look like a brokerage. So, you know, I think that, you know, between what they're doing in the iBuyer side, and of course we've got a uh, a an offering called Express Offers, which is uh, our version of an iBuyer without taking the balance sheet risk. So we've partnered with hundreds of local buyers and local markets to actually um, make offers on properties that are submitted through that platform. Uh, and but more importantly, it helps with listing lead generation for agents, so they can actually drive traffic to actually create listing leads for you know if one of the thirty leads goes to an iBuyer, that means they've got 29 leads to potentially, um, you know, fully market uh, as a listing. So, you know, so just looking at primarily at the moves that Zillow makes, I think they are um, the the company that ultimately is going to make the, the big changes. We do have to pay attention to the real estate brokerage backdrop. Um, but because we're so uh, um, innovative, in such a way that I think a lot of the franchise systems just can't match because their franchise systems were built in the 70s, 80s, 90s, pre-internet, and their franchise agreements don't allow them to pivot as as much as they would like. Um, I think that, you know, we're, we're not focused as much there. We're more focused on, you know, what is Zillow doing? What is maybe what Redfin's doing? But but Zillow would be sort of the the, the main one. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's afraid of Zillow. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) 
Um, so, you know, your business model has been called a multi-level marketing by critics and um, because you're, you're built on agents recruiting other agents and getting paid handsomely for doing so. So obviously it's a creative revenue sharing model. That's a unique twist on the Keller model, which you had mentioned earlier. Um, they also say that if agents, all they do is spend time recruiting other agents, they don't spend time selling real estate. Clearly that's not the case, but what do you say to your critics about that? Yeah. Um, one, I mean, uh, innovation usually is always criticized by the incumbents. I mean, that's, you know, franchising as a concept was, um, was fought uh, back in the day when, you know, the first franchises showed up because it was considered to be unethical for, you know, companies to bring in a proven business model and sell it to somebody to compete with, you know, the local mom, pa business. So, you know, innovation uh, tends to get criticized. And, and if you look at um, we'll call it direct sales or multi-level marketing system in, in as a as a business concept, it's brought lots of products and services to market. Uh, you still have lots of companies that are doing extremely well using that type of model. But what it does is it allows somebody who would like to be a business person to get the benefits of a business without again, what I call the brain damage of actually building the business. And so it simplifies the process, just like franchising originally simplified the process of starting a business, you know, uh, direct sales or multi-level marketing structures simplifies the business of just being in business. So it's really just solving a challenge for, for real estate professionals to effectively have an interest in a brokerage without, you know, having to spend tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars doing it. And why do you think more brokerages don't do this? I mean, obviously Keller bases it on company profits, but um, you know, you really don't have a lot of the other brokerages with this type of program. Why do you think that is? Um, I think partially because, you know, there is a general um, uh, dislike of a, a network marketing or multi-level marketing um, model, especially if you've built a more traditional business. And, and, you know, I think that that's probably the big thing is, is just the, the backdrop of, well, first of all, I think the other piece is that, uh, it doesn't work in a traditional model. You know, Keller obviously proved it up with profit share, but that fixed expense model with bricks and mortar makes it really tough for brokerages to offer something similar because it would effectively just increase their costs on top of their bricks and mortar expense. So you've got to eliminate something from your cost structure in order to do it. And I think we've kind of got it at perfect timing. You know, housing market was coming, was crashing. Technology had finally got to a point where high-speed internet was fairly ubiquitous. And, and so for, for us, I think we just, we got pretty lucky on just the timing of it, because I don't think we could have done this model, you know, six or seven years earlier. And, and of course now, um, you know, EXP has existed for 11 years. Um, you know, starting one now, you're gonna be playing catch up for quite a while. And now here's a brief word on Housing Wire's Housing News Podcast. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. 
hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the housing news podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I, you know, obviously the, the bricks and mortar costs are, are huge. And a lot during the pandemic, a lot of, uh, brokerages realized how much they need to streamline that. Uh, but and, and a lot of people would say that's your secret sauce, that your operational savings, because you're a broke uh, virtual brokerage is why that's your hidden strength or why you're, you're so profitable. But I think it's more than that. So what do you say about that? Well, um, you know, the ability to to leverage um, talent across a larger group of agents is pretty incredible as well. We just you know, we've we've invested heavily in 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 personal development. We bought like um, uh, Tom Hopkins, who's who was an, uh, you know a sales trainer. We bought the exclusive worldwide rights to all of his real estate training. Um, you know, he's retiring, so we bought all of that. Uh, today, actually, a little bit later today, I'm doing uh, a uh, one-on-one conversation with Grant Cardone. We just brought him in to do a bunch of sales training and personal development work for just real estate professionals. So we're kind of reaching into some other spaces to bring some of some really unique people into our ecosystem. And because of our virtual nature of being able to engage with our agents um, at a a very high level. Like we're like our agents and brokers are some of the most connected culturally. And you probably have seen this yourself that, you know, for a company that has no offices, our agents, you know, sing from the same songbook. Uh, we, we all are trying to build the same company together. We're engaging in a pretty unique way and then bringing in, and we're, you know, we're investing in, in, in our agents heavily. We bought success magazine just recently, and we've been shipping that to our agents for two, two and a half years. And and you know creating um, somewhat of a of a of a moat. I think Keller Williams did a great job of developing a personal and training moat for Keller Williams. And I think that you know for us we said you know Success Magazine uh, represents uh, something akin to that, and just continue to lean in and build uh, agents in a way that again gives them certain uh, mental uh, and emotional advantages in the marketplace. So how are you able to scale those relationships all virtual? Um, because it seems like you're doing a really good job with that. But I know a lot of brokers really struggle with that, even within their own brokerage. Um, so what are what are your secrets to scaling kind of the relationships and the culture? Well, one, we uh, corporately have, haven't bought um, a brokerage um, since probably I think the last time we bought a brokerage was probably 2013, uh, 2014. So it's been a while. And so everybody that that is with EXP chose to be here. Um, and, and I think that that's a really important um, distinction versus, you know, a lot of the, the acquisitions and then the trying to pull cultures together. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I hear anecdotally that, you know, Compass struggles with, you know, you know, the fact that they bought, you know, multiple brokerages, say in San Francisco, and and the brokers don't even really talk to each other office to office because they don't actually feel like they're part of the same company. And so I think just the fact that all of our agents self-selected in uh, allows us to really have a, a culture that is um, pretty aligned. And, and, and so for, for us, we've really said, we're not acquiring anybody. Um, you know, if agents want to be here, that's awesome. 
we want to support them um, and and they're buying into you know what exp is the day they join so i think that's a pretty important uh, distinction between sort of the way mergers and acquisitions and 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 the way brokerages have grown historically yeah that's interesting um so with a crystal ball what um you know what do you see as the next next for real estate brokerage and for the market yeah i th- i think the i think the real estate brokerage does continue to get more and more virtual um and and not just because of the pandemic i think that just technology just makes communication collaboration um, more efficient whether it be agent to consumer agent to agent agent to brokerage i think there's a there's an element of of big data that's you know some of the stuff we've been talking about for years uh, i think we're going to start to see and you know 2020 by 2022 we're going to see some really interesting automations in the real estate brokerage space. I mean, we're working on some stuff that I think is pretty interesting in terms of, you know, compliance and, and transaction management and how to, to streamline line that. But I think that that could, can go into so many different parts of the, the business. I think that, I, I do think that AI is a, a really significant, um, changer in the in the in in what we're doing as as agents and brokers i mean you look at even just your you know when you write a something with gmail or you're using you know um google docs i mean our article our stuff's getting written half the time for us i mean all we have to do is just type start typing in a word and it gives us a whole sentence and we push tab and it's like that sounds pretty good and you just sort of think about how all this automation will start to really play a role in um, in in our business as we go along, I, I don't think that the agent consumer relationship changes that much. I think that you know the the consumer still going to want somebody they know, like, and trust to help them with the biggest purchases and the biggest transactions of their life because they do it so few times in their lifetime. But I think that a lot of the the communication and collaboration will definitely get streamlined with technology. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, you know, obviously a lot of brokerages are using technology as their differentiator, but I, I, I don't think that's a true differentiator um, because eventually everyone will be on the same page with that. Um, so what do you think about that as a differentiator? Well, I think it's the the speed of adoption um, or speed of implementation that's going to be the real different differentiator. Uh, and and some people are going to get the right uh, product mix, and 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 so they're going to adopt the right product mix quickly. Um, you know, but there's a lot of shiny objects in the residential real estate business. I don't know how many how many companies there are that that provide products and services. So you can also get the mix wrong. But if you get it right. I think it's about you know how fast can you you get it in, uh, and then how can you creatively use the cost savings that come with a lot of these technologies to then you know enhance the agent value proposition. And I, I think that's really the if that's really been our secret sauce is you know how do we take this cost savings and and turn it into an agent value proposition? Whether it be obviously our rev share, our equity. You look at the fact that we've created a healthcare option for, for agents, um, which is, you know, pretty unique. It's, it's hard for agents to get health insurance or something akin to health insurance at reasonable prices. And so, you know, how do you, how do you play with all these cost savings? How do you lean into things like personal development, 
we use you know tools like Workplace by Facebook, which is you know our own private Facebook, which I think is an incredibly powerful uh, engagement tool that again creates you know a fair bit of alignment. But I think it's really about how fast can you recognize that something is truly going to be a game changer, and then once you recognize it to be a game changer or a potential game changer, how fast are you implementing? Because I think that's what's going to set brokerages apart from other brokerages. Um, so I want to get a little personal with your business career. What What is your greatest aha moment? Kind of the moment you were like, ah, oh, that's what I need to be doing, or that's what that's what it's all about, or this is the way we can we can do things and change the industry, or or maybe it was more of a personal aha moment that you had. Yeah, so I think one of the big aha moments for me um, was, you know, the the value of doing of, of taking the long the 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 long road to success. Meaning, you know, there's there's always ways to sort of try to make money quickly, and and I think that I think we all get excited about, hey, we do this, we could make X in a fairly short period of time. But then you you then do the next question, which is, well, but what where is the industry really going? Where what does this look like? Like in 2009, there were you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, I mean, EXP didn't make money. Like we we fundamentally were, you know, having to put money in and we had to we had to believe that that this thing actually made sense over the long haul to kind of weather that storm. And so I, I, the, the benefits that come with taking the long view, if you get it right, way outweigh the, the benefits of trying to generate shorter term income. And, and so that for me was probably the thing that, especially this last year, um, you know, just the fact of where we ended up in, in 2020 and now 2021, um, I didn't even imagine this level of success back in, in even in 2009, 10, 11. So it's, we've outstripped it, but it really was about making the right decisions for the right reasons and sticking over the long haul, even though it was uh, maybe not popular or, or well understood. The, the other thing I think is that if you've got really, really unique ideas and meaning that you're really trying to change the business, to some extent, it's better to bring in generalists than specialists. So, um, you know, in real estate brokerage, if you bring in specialists who have lots of historical success in the residential real estate business, they'll try to build the old model. And so I fought with, you know, a, a couple few people that I brought in a fairly senior role um, to, to help us build EXP over the years. And, and the specialists were, were, more harmful than than beneficial in a lot of respects. There were some benefits, so don't get me wrong, but uh, you know there was it was very difficult to build the new model because they wanted to go back to bricks and mortar, or they they'd say you can't do you know this or that for whatever reason because of some legacy reason that does no longer exists in the marketplace. Whereas when you bring in a a generalist who who doesn't have as deep of domain expertise. They're willing to learn the new model, and they're and and so that for me was something that you know I learned along the way that that there are there are places for specialists, 
And there's definitely places when you're doing new ideas for generalists. Yeah, that's that's a, a great piece of advice. Um, really interesting. So my last question is just, what does the future hold for EXP? Um, well, we we refer to ourselves as the most agent centric real estate brokerage on the planet. I mean, and and maybe maybe that's why we 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 had that incredible incredible growth that uh, that you guys have have recognized. Um, and if we if we think about that, you know, then internationally. You know, it means that we've got a lot of room to 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 grow. There's you know 1.4, 1.5 million realtors in the United States. It's probably something akin to 20 million real estate professionals around the world. And and so when we think about that, I think that EXP over the next few years is going to have a lot of international presence. Um, we just I just got some stats yesterday. We've we've only been in in Mexico and India for for a few months. But in both markets, we're almost up to a thousand agents in, in both of those markets, and and we're you know we just opened up uh, Brazil and Portugal and France and Italy and you know a bunch of other countries. I think we're up to thirteen or fourteen countries. But I think the 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 value proposition that we've developed in the United States is actually even more valued internationally because internationally they don't have the benefits of of an MLS. And, and so as a result, uh, agents are, um, to some extent, very dependent on their brokerage for listings. And so most agents in most other countries outside the U.S. and Canada are on something more akin to a 50-50 split, maybe a 60-40 if it's, if, if it's very generous for, for an agent. Um, but to have a, a something that's you know a 75-25 or an 80-20 in, in their market and then have the additional benefits of getting benefits from helping the brokerage and then and equity benefits. It's it's totally unheard of. Here we at least had Keller Williams to look at as a model. Uh, we had you know Exit and some others that had had played with different parts of the model, but internationally, um, you know nobody had anything really remotely like an EXP model. And so it's I think it's going to be a big game changer. I got a note yet. Um, that uh, from from a our uh, gentleman that's uh, running Mexico, and he said that you know that Mexico needed EXP because we're as a platform we might be able to actually professionalize a, a industry that in Mexico there's it's very it's not on it's not licensed in a in a traditional sense um, it's very much of a free for all but with a model like EXP we might actually be able to help the industry. Um, when we think about going international. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, well, I wish you the best of luck with with all of your future endeavors. And I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me on the Real Trending podcast. Um, I just want to thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. For more insightful interviews with real estate executives, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.